4, 17 through 20, 30 through 32. It's a lot of stuff today um, about making changes in your life and how God can help you make those changes in your life. So I, I love this passage of Scripture. And uh, Matt's leading worship today. Mike and Abby are out of town with their daughter in Chicago at a hospital and hopefully coming home tomorrow. So Matt is uh, going to do that today. And he's also doing fresh bread. you got a busy day. And uh, upstairs we're having children's ministry, and I think Connor's going to do a children's story today as well. So let's open in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. Thank you for the beautiful weather we finally have after all the rain we've had lately. I pray that we'll just have a good day to enjoy and to just enjoy your creation. And thank you for this time in your word and singing your praises and bless the children's ministry upstairs while we're downstairs and have a worship service. Thank you for your love, and I just pray you'll bless this time and help us to grow in our faith for being here today at church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Get up here, Teresa. <laughs> no, I can't do it. Okay. Yeah, so Patty and Kristen are with uh, your grandpa? Is that right, Eric? Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's on a vacation. Yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, so, yeah, let's be praying for Maggie, which is Mike and Abby's middle daughter. She's doing better, though, so that's, that's good. All right, so let's, let's, uh, let's worship together. Oh, 
Shout out Joe for 
bringing over Rocky Rococo's pizza last night made my year, as Nora put it. She goes, you just made this year. <laughs> Figure out how to play guitar. It's been months. <laughs> Whenever Maggie gets sick, Mike's like, you're on. And I'm like, okay, two days to learn guitar again. <laughs> and I basement floated yesterday. Yeah. All right. When peace like a river attendeth my ways, sorrows like sea billows roll. Announcements as I put my guitar away. Thanks. Okay, so as most of you know by now, there's uh, we have our newsletters, our um, Bibles there, and even some places for writing sermon notes. If you want to write sermon notes today, and uh, and we also have some like, the Gideon Bible, so take it some witnessing material. Around the corner, we have some free free books. And Matt, I think Matt gave a good suggestion. If you have any books at home, you might have duplicates of books. Um, so if you want to bring some books in to add to the, our, our library, I've taken some books out of there by myself. They've been good books on uh, theology or whatever the topic I'm preaching on. 
but uh, they're free, so just take one and just take it for yourself. But if you have any, you want to exchange it with something you have at home, we'd love to have that. Ann? Yeah, Decision Magazine from Billy Graham is, she's going to bring back her back copies of that. So that, we have those as well. So good things to read. Um, also, if you want to give uh, to the church, you can give, if you want to give through a check or cash, you can give at the offering box right over here. Otherwise, there's Tithely, the app called uh, Tithely, T-I-T-H-E-L-Y. Look up Northridge Community Church of Rockford, Illinois, because there's a lot of Northridge churches now. Um, look that up, and you can give that way as well. And I heard that's pretty easy to use, apparently. So uh, that's, that's the announcements today. And um, so Matt is going to come up and do double duty. He's going to do fresh bread now, too. Well, it's easy. I took the easy way out. I'm reading something. Uh, the, my, my boss emailed this to, to all of our, all the employees at, uh, at Thayer, where I work last week and sat in my inbox for many days. And then I finally re read it and it was a devotional and, um, it was, uh, well, I'll just read it and then we'll talk a little bit after, um, so it starts off with Psalm 139 verse 12 saying, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as as the day, <clears throat> for darkness is as the light to you. So I was 10 years old when I first heard the radical message of the gospel. I came from a country darkened by communism in the former Soviet Union. This is a true story, by the way. My family was burdened by alcoholism, landed by my father in prison, um, or, yeah, Landing, sorry, landing my father in prison and often throwing my mother unconscious on the roadside. The night my mother walked away from us, all I remember is seeing my older sister Katya searching for her through the dark window. Katya said she had this deep feeling deep in her chest that we would never see our mom again. And to this day, we don't know what happened to her. She never came back. Often, even as God's children, we face unanswered questions. I don't know why our mother never returned. I don't know how we survived those days of poverty and hunger. But before I knew him, God was already sustaining me through my, all my unanswered questions. My sister and I were soon taken to an orphanage saturated in verbal and physical abuse. I remember thinking, is this how you treat, your ch this is, is this how you treat children? One night, the cruelty got to the point where I decided that I hated my life and that, that is when God met me. He saw my heart, and even though I did not know God at the time, he nudged me to keep looking forward because all the pain would one day be in my past. God doesn't always pull us out of dark, dark circumstances, but Psalm 139.12 reminds us that even the, darkness, even the darkness is not dark to him. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to him. God saw me in that dark place. He knew about my struggles, and by his strength, he allowed me to endure the suffering and step forward a brighter day. Later, my sister and I were transferred to another orphanage that the caregivers, um, where the caregivers did not tolerate any kind of abuse. The atmosphere was completely different. As soon as we arrived, the director of our, our new orphanage made an aston astonishing decision. He allowed Operation Christmas Child to enter with the shoebox gifts and share the radical gospel message. 
There were many, many doors the Lord had to open miraculously for those precious shoeboxes to enter my hard-to-reach community, to enter our orphanage, to reach me. There is no one to glorify but him. When I received my shoebox gift, everything about it was so exciting and colorful and new. Simple items like hair clips and my own diary filled, with, filled me with joy. But more important than anything in the shoebox was through Operation Christmas Child, I heard the gospel for the first time. To this day, I still remember that life-changing message. They talked about a God whom we can call our Father. They told us about Jesus, who came from heaven to earth to rescue us. As an orphan, to me, that meant that God is the God of my adoption, the God of adoption. My dream all through my childhood was to be a part of a loving family, and now God was inviting me to his royal family. It felt as if the light had finally won territory over the darkness of my life. I gave my burdens to Jesus and began to faithfully pray and seek after his heart. The seed of faith I received through my shoebox blossomed over the year into deep-rooted faith in God. The darkness could no longer stop the light from getting in. We all face darkness today on this side of heaven, but no matter how deep the shadows seem, God sees us. He hears our cries. He is faithful to answer. There are still many children who have yet to be adopted into God's royal family. May we press on in faith because the day is coming is coming near when all believers will be in the light together as the royal family of God. And this is a little prayer that she wrote at the end. God, there is no darkness you cannot break through. There is no bro brokenness you cannot redeem. There is nothing you cannot use for our good and, and for your glory. Thank you for adopting us into your royal family. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know what country she came, she came from. Her name was I Irina Creek. And her sister's name was Katya, so it reminds me, it's probably like Eastern Europe. Yeah. So I, I, th I thought that story was really cool. You know, we do Operation Christmas Child every year. It hasn't started yet. I don't know when we start. Oh, this starts this next week? So this is timely. Um, but, you know, I, the boxes are not super cheap to make. I mean, they're not super expensive, but they're probably like 20 or 30 bucks a box. And... And if you don't have a lot of, you know, extra income like that, that's that can be kind of hard to do. But this is a good reminder that like it can the, not just like giving toys and like you know daily things like toothpaste or or hair clips or a diary. Like it can actually spread the gospel. And this is a good example of someone whose life was changed and entered the kingdom of God because of Operation Christmas Child. So I thought that was really encouraging that that. Those boxes can make a big difference, and if thirty bucks, you know, could potentially save a person and bring them into God's kingdom, that's worth it, you know. So, I just thought was that was a cool story. So I want to share that today. Uh, just the fact that that was uh, one person's vision to reach somebody, and it's turned into several million shoeboxes going out simply because somebody got. Uh, one idea to make a shoebox to send to a child. Yeah, 
And there's I have boxes that I'll bring in. I have well, some that are already made. Some are they're not hard to make. And uh, so I'll bring those in next week. We've got six weeks, I think. There's two more, three more weeks. Two more weeks in October, and maybe three. Probably about five weeks left. So we they have to go. Hustle. They have to go out the the week before Thanksgiving. It's about the twentieth or so of November. So we need to have we have five weeks to do this. Okay. So if you want to do this. Um, remember a girl named Mary that used to be come to our church? She did a couple hundred. She had a little yeah. vision for it. But I mean, she was doing it year-round. Do a couple a day, a couple of couple family, you know. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Thanks, man. Right. I appreciate that. Okay. Appreciate your message today. Um, so we're, uh, I'm going to bring this down just a little bit, I think. So I'm going to do something. I, I, I'm talking about the uh, Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 32, but I'm actually going to weave back into the other ones we've already talked about before to see how it all ties together. Um, Paul is a very complex writer, very profound writer, and I just want to have us go back and kind of rehearse. Some, this is about how do we put on the new spiritual clothes of faith. Now, I can remember a couple of times in my life, my was so dirty that I literally threw my clothes away. Okay, one time, and you know, people do this this mud volleyball. Oh, I did that out there on um, 20th Street, south of the bypass, just off of uh, off of Sandy Hollow. It was so bad, you smelled like a pig. I mean, really, you smelled like a pig, and every and I I just said no. I'm not having my wife wash. I just threw these clothes away. It wasn't worth it. I just put them in a bag and threw them in the garbage. You know, the other time, um, I was up in Minnesota. We went to seminary. There's a guy named Ben Baltus who was my boss. He's a tough guy in his own tool and die business, and he wanted to see what I was made of. I realized that now. He wanted to see what I was made of, so he had me take these. They looked, there was a big bar. It was they would. He was like carts. They would push with wheels on them, but they had a big bar on them, and they had burrs, metal burrs on them. And so he said, I want you to see how many you can do in one day. Well, I was going to show I was a good worker, and I did like 150. And you're pressing this thing like four times on each one of these things, and I was so tired at the end I could barely move. And, and plus I had metal, metal chips all over my shirt and all over my pants completely, and I realized it probably was not even good for the washer to do that, so I, I just threw the clothes away. Now I say that because it talks about taking off the old clothes and putting on the new clothes in this, in this passage here. So let me read the passage. It says, it's a long passage, uh, again it's Ephesians 4, 17 through um, 32. Paul says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, what would a Gentile be in our culture? It'd be a, it'd be a non-believer who had no thought of, for, of God at all. So, yeah, I hate, I hate to use the word pagan. I don't like that word pagan, but I, that'd be, I guess you'd be someone like that that just doesn't care about God. They're living a kind of a godless life. He says this, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in, e in, even, in every kind of impurity 
and they are full of full of greed. I'm just going to say this. Um, I was um, if you if you drive down towards Mississippi Park uh, down. I, I don't, I'm not sure the road. I guess it'd be. I'm not sure. You're coming off a of prospect, and you're you're driving down the road. There's a really really gruesome house. Seriously. At, at Halloween, I couldn't believe they got away with it. It's so bad. It, it, it's so bad. It's so much decadent stuff out there with saws and people get their heads cut off. And it's really sick. And I, I, I would be upset to live in that neighborhood to see it. I mean, I almost called the police. It was so bad. I mean, I've not, and I'm not a prude at all, but I mean, I just thought this was really out of, li out of line. They, they, and I think, who would do this stuff? Who would, who would, this is really sick, I mean, demented type stuff, honestly. And I'm not exaggerating. If you saw it, you'd agree with me. And I just thought, man, I, anybody in that neighborhood, I'm surprised that, that somebody hasn't called the police about it because it's, it's, that, it's that bad. Anyway, that's my point is that's something that has a darkened mind, in my opinion, okay? Then it goes on to say this. So then that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Now, in some passages, it actually says, like, take off the old clothes. Put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, that might seem a little simplistic to say that you take off the old clothes of the old life and you put on the new clothes of the new life. But I don't know about you, if you've, if you've ever been felt really dirty and grungy and then you, let's say you're going to go to a party or something like that or go out to a movie or a date with someone you love, um, it feels good to feel clean again. You smell better, you know, you've washed your hair, you might put some cologne on or something like that. You just feel so much better in clean clothes, in a clean outfit, all right? So that kind of gives an idea of what it's like to live the Christian life when you've been living in darkness. Therefore, each of us must put off falsehood. Now, this is a list of things that God, but Paul, I realize this now, Paul's giving a list of do's and don'ts. He's giving us an idea of what you transition from to what you transition to. He says this, therefore, and I might kind of think this, I'll, I'll go through this a little later. Therefore, each of you should, must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbors. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. I just did this in the wedding yesterday, by the way. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who is being is stealing must steal no longer and must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let your un, un, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. I've used this scripture a lot in here. Uh, that it may benefit those who listen. In other words, say kind words. Okay, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for, uh, for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. That's a lot there. There's a lot there. So let me go back. Let me backtrack to Ephesians chapter 3 for a second here. Listen to what it says here in verses... Um, 
16 through 19. This is what Paul says. This is the chapter before. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow. You, ever, you know how it feels when you really feel close to God? You, know, you go to a retreat. You ever really go to a camp or a retreat? You know, you say, why, do, why can't I do this all the time? Because the whole camp, you're, you're being saturated with, you know, the Bible and, and godly concepts and singing praise songs, doing crazy games. And, you know, and you come away, you're kind of on that mountaintop experience. Then you come home to reality and maybe someone's yelling at you or you didn't do something right and you feel like you're a screw-up, you know. And then, and then you're like, man, that's, I wish I was back at camp, you know. But we can't live life at camp all the time. But the point is, when you feel close to God, well, let me ask you a question. This is the question of the day. When you feel close to God, how does that make you feel? And then what is it? And maybe another question is, how do you get close to God? What, what is something you do to get close to God? And then when you are there, when you're in that zone, you might say, with God, not that you're invincible, but you feel like you're stronger than you would be otherwise. How does that feel to you? Don? I feel comfort and protected when I'm in God's arms. Yeah. That's what I feel. That's great. That's great. Feel comfort and protection. That's really, that's really good, isn't it? Really good to have that. Clyde? Um, you get there with uh, prayer and humility. The more you... Uh, You're stealing my notes here, Clyde, for the next point, next point of the message. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by uh, the more you pray and uh, give yourself over to the Lord, the closer you're going to be to him. And once you get there, uh, you're feeling much more powerful because God says he, he has an uh, army of angels that yeah. stand with you. Yeah, that's in Psalm 30, 34. Talking about the angels around God's people, they, they surround and protect you. That's a good point. You have an angel army around you. Uh, you have a contingency of people around you protecting you, more than you'll ever know. You can't see them, but they're there. I really believe that. Okay? Anybody else? How do, how do, you, how do you get to the point of feeling like you're close to God, and when you're there... What, how does it feel when you have that feeling of being close to God? Ann? I'm in my boy's um, room, which is a
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it is invest investing time and spending time with God. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Anybody else have a thought of it, Nora? That's awesome. That's awesome. So my first point was this from what I just read. My first point is this. The question is, how do you put on the new spiritual clothes of faith? Number one, only through the Holy Spirit's power can we experience Christ's love and his desire to please God and glorify the Father. Just think about that. When this, what it basically says in this is Christ desires to honor God. Nobody's ever desired to honor God more than Christ. The Father. He talks about the Father. When he said, how do you pray, what does he say? He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be, hallowed be thy name. He always gave the Lord the credit. Father, this Father the credit. So if you, if, you want, if you allow the Holy Spirit to control your life or to direct your life, he's going to give you Christ's desire to honor God. He'll, he'll pass that on to you because he's the third person of the Trinity. He has the ability to do that. So that's the first point is that only through the Holy Spirit's power can you experience Christ's love and desire to please and glorify God. Now let's go over to Ephesians 4, verse 1 and 2. Listen to what it says. He says this, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another, and so it talks about how how do you you know how do you become live a life worthy of your calling? What does that mean? Now I, I don't know if you know this. You know, in the New York Yankees, you know they are they have a, a real um, they, they set a tone. There's guys that used to play for the the Oakland A's. Oakland A's they'd have like mustaches and beards and long hair. Never on the Yankees. No one does that on the Yankees. Everyone has short hair. Nobody wears maybe a mustache, maybe, but mostly not at all. You're clean shaven, and you have a short haircut. If you're a Yankee, that's a fact. Look at it. If you don't believe it, check it out. They they have a strong standard. They want to look a certain way. They want to have a they want to have a standard of what a New York Yankee looks like. And it's not with a beard or a long like Fu Manchu mustache. That's not part of what they are. You know, where the, where the Oakland A's were like the, the hoods of the baseball league. They always looked rough and tumble, you know. They were just the opposite. So the point is, is living the life worthy of your calling. What's our calling? Our calling is to live for Christ. Our calling is to serve others. Our calling is to, to live a, a life of holiness, which is pretty ominous to even think about. So how do you live a life worthy of that? Well, he talks about three things about that. Paul, Paul says this. He says, be com uh, completely humble, as Paul, as, uh, as Clyde said earlier, be completely humble. Why do you have to be humble to live like Christ? Why is humility and Christ-likeness um, synonymous? Clyde? 
because he humbled himself even to even to death. That's a uh, Philippians two. Yeah, he he had to humble himself in order to die on the cross. I mean, Christ made the entire universe. He made the entire universe, all the galaxies. Yet he came down as a child, never sinned, and had to die on the cross for our sins at 33 years old. That's humility. He could have said, hey, I made all this stuff. I'm not going to die for your sins. But he died for our sins because he was so humble. He was willing to honor God and to be his instrument. And then he goes on to say this, be completely humble and gentle. Gentle means you don't, you're not a fighter. You're not trying to cause trouble. Uh, be patient, bearing with one another in love. We've got to be patient. I mean, there are people in life that are easy to be with. There's people in life that are not so easy to be with. So you need to bear with them. You need to, you need to put up with people like they put up with you. You might not be so easy to be with either. And so maybe sometimes have somebody might have to put up with you. Carrie. Is what now? Do you really love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? That's good. That's really good. That's good. That's awesome. That's really good. Really good. Okay, the next one is this. Um, now, let's. then it goes on a little further in Ephesians 4. The next part is, it says, be completely unified. Be, be completely unified. In other words, live in unity with people. And we talked about that last Sunday. Not uniformity. You don't all look the same. But you all have the same goal, and that's to honor Christ. So if you're, if you're doing something for your own glory, well, that's not going to honor Christ. You've got to do it for the, to, to glorify the Lord as a group corporately. So we need to be living. Uh, the, so the, third, the point, number two is this, by the way. Uh, number two, how do, you, how do you put on the new clothes? Number two, you live a life worthy of your calling. We need to be careful, completely humble, obedient, and submissive to the Holy Spirit. Number three, we need to make every effort to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit through the bond of peace. Unity of the body, unity of the spirit, one hope, one love, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father. We need to be, we need to be al aligned with each other. Okay? You ever seen a rowing team? I guess we have a big rowing thing here every fall in Rockford. It's a big deal. People come from all over the United States to be at this rowing thing. And how many people are on those robots? Is that five or six? I think it's five, isn't it? Anyway, do you know how to get that right? You ever been in a rowboat with somebody and, you're, and they're going one way and you're going the other way and you're going in circles, you know? You know, it's hard, it's hard to do that. But these guys are, these guys and these girls are so efficient and they're all in the same pattern and they can really get their speed up when they're all working together. Well, that's the same idea as the body of Christ. We need to work together to make things work. When we work together, we can get a lot done. When we work separately, we're not very efficient. Clyde? stronger as a unit uh, if well, being a farmer uh, if one's pulling one way and one's pulling another you're not going to go forward but if you're both pulling together you get 110 uh, percent if they had four oxen or four horses working together they can get a lot done right they can plow a straight field but it takes them all working together Exactly. All right, then the number four. Now, it goes on to this. So here's the point. If you're trying to be unified, if you're trying to glorify God, 
what do you need to do? How do you putting off the old clothes and putting on the new clothes? Okay, putting off the, then you, when you're putting on the new clothes of Christ on you. Okay, how is that going to look? How is that going to look? Here's here's some things that Paul talks about. He said, put off lying, put off lying, and instead be truthful. There's a movie I like. My wife doesn't like it too much, but it's called Almost Famous. And in the movie Almost Famous, uh, Kate um, Hudson, which is uh, Goldie Hawn's daughter, plays uh, Penny Lane, who's a groupie for this rock band. And, and, she, and this kid is the true story of Cameron Crowe, who graduated from high school at 16 years old. He was so smart. He was very small. But he started writing for Rolling Stone magazine at 16 years old. And he was following a group that was almost famous. They're called Stillwater. And he wanted to get into the band, but he couldn't because he was too young. So Goldie Hawn could get him in the side door. He said, she said, how old are you? He said, I'm 19. He goes, oh, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 18. He goes, oh, how old are you? I'm 16. He said, the truth just sounds so much better, doesn't it? I thought that's a great quote. The truth just sounds so much better, doesn't it? So, so it, sounds, it just sounds different. That's what it is. It just sounds different when you're telling the truth, you know? So, so stop, stop lying and tell the truth. Number two, get off, take off anger and put on forgiveness. Quit being angry. Be, ang be angry, but do not sin. Don't give the devil a foothold. Learn to be forgiving. Learn to be cooperative. The third one says this, take, stop stealing. Stop stealing and start working. Paul says in first, I think it's first Thessalonians 3 or 4, he says, if they don't work, they don't eat. If you don't work, you don't eat. Everyone's got to pull their own weight. You've got to put some time in before you earn the right to eat. Nobody, no one gets a freebie here. Okay? So you work hard and share with others. Not only work hard, but work, work so hard you have something to share with others. You can get so much food from what you've done, you can even share it with somebody else. Instead of stealing, work hard. The next thing it says is, off with harsh, hateful words. And on with kind, encouraging words. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that that builds others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Make sure your words are kind. Have you checked your words out lately? Have you, have you said something this week that maybe you shouldn't have said? Maybe you hurt someone's feelings? Maybe you didn't mean to, but then you realize later on, oh, I, that didn't sound, that probably came off wrong. Texting is bad. Texting is dangerous, man. You write, you ever had a text, well, what do they mean by that? They might not have meant anything by it, but it sure came out sounding bad. It sounded rude to you, you know? But, you know, maybe they were, maybe they were in a hurry, or maybe they, they didn't mean it, but it sure came out like it was, you know, you, you don't feel good about what they said. You have to, maybe you need to go back and apologize. You know, I shouldn't have said what I said. I was wrong. I said that in haste. I said that in frustration. Please forgive me. It's really helpful to do that. It's really helpful to do that. Then it goes on to say this. Off with grieving the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? You know what? There's, only, there's two sins that only Christians can commit. Do you know that? Grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian, you don't have the Holy Spirit. So you can't. 
So you, only two sins that only Christians can commit is grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit is doing something blatantly wrong. Doing something that you know that God wouldn't be happy with you. Quenching the Holy Spirit is not doing something that God told you to do. Like help that person there in need right now. And you act like you don't see him. Remember that song by Phil Collins? Oh, think twice, just another day for you and me in paradise. That's when you see walk by somebody and just ignore them. You know? So that's quenching the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit is when you do a blatant sin. And so we need, to, we need to quit doing that. We need to stop grieving the Holy Spirit and obey the Holy Spirit. Do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Um, then the last one is this. Off with bitterness, anger, rage, fighting, and lying. That sounds like somebody that's really not living close to God, right? Someone that's doing those things. Bitterness, anger, rage, fighting, and lying. Get off with that and on with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. That's how God wants us to live. That how, that's how he wants us to serve him. And it, you can tell the difference in your life. When you're living, I, let me ask you a question. I mean, this is, you don't have to answer this, but if, if anybody feels free enough to answer it. When you're not living the way you should live, when you're not living exactly where you, the way you know Christ wants you to live, how does that make you feel as a person, as a Christian, when you're, not, when, you're, when you're not living the way you know God wants you to live? It puts a lot of weight on you, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes you feel guilty probably a little bit, right? When God's told you what to do, and? What's that? You're out of sync. Yeah, things are not right. When you're not, when you're not aligned with God, when you're not aligned with God, then you're, you're out of sync. It's a, it's a good way to put it, you know. Don. Lack of faith. A lack of faith. Peace. Yeah. You know, we get mad at something. Maybe, maybe we had a certain idea and it didn't work out. So we get mad at God. Now think about that. We get mad at God. I'm going to show God. I'm not going to meet with him anymore. He, may, he, he let me down. The very person you need the most when you're having a hard time is God. Who do we turn on when we're having a hard time? God. We should turn to God. Instead of turning away from God, but we in our selfishness, we, we, get a, we get in the mood, and then we decide to just turn away from God at that point. Clyde. Um, if something don't work out the way uh, you thought, it might be that God knows that that's not good for you, and uh, he told you no. That's that's the other thing, you know. You think you think God let you down? Not God probably God never lets you down. God might take something away from you that wasn't good for you. You don't think you don't think you still want it, but it wasn't good for you. We had a chance to buy a car last week for Ann. It's exactly the same car as she has, only it's three years newer, and about twenty five hundred dollars more expensive. It was in downtown Chicago, and I'm I less and less want to go to. I used to love Chicago. I don't want to go to Chicago much at all anymore with all the violence and things going on right now. And uh, and I was going to buy it. It was a really good deal. It was a it was a good looking car. I think it was a legitimate situation. And Ann said, you know, I just don't know if I want to do this. She said, you know, it's the same car. If I'm going to buy, I've had the same car for seven years. I'd, if I'm going to buy another car, maybe get, maybe change colors at least or something like that. So I told I called the guy up. I was supposed to see him on Friday. I said, you know. I said, his name is Mike. I said, Mike, I'm not coming in. I said, my wife says, if you're going to buy another car, at least want to get something that looks different than the one she has. He goes, yeah, that's a good point. 
He says it's, exa it's exactly the same car as just three years new. It does have a back seat that we don't have in ours, but it's, it's just too much the same. He goes, no, I know, I no problem. I said, you'll have no trouble filling that, selling that car because it's a great car. He said, I appreciate your, I'm glad you called me instead of just leave me hanging. He said, no, I wanted to let you know that. So anyway, so I felt good. We felt, immediately felt right. We immediately felt right when we said, no, we're not going to buy that car. Because I didn't feel peaceful either. I can't explain it. I just didn't feel, because I guess mainly because I knew that Ann wasn't feeling real good about it. So, you know, you, when you, my point is when things are going in the, right, in the right way, you just feel right. When you're not going in the right way, or maybe you're jumping ahead of God, which I've done thousands of times, then you know you're out of kilter, and you're, not, you're, not, you're, you're more likely to make a mistake. Katie? Yeah. Pay attention to the tension. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, is there something? Is there something? You know. You know. I. I. Uh, I can't go into any details. But if somebody wants to meet with me right now. A couple people want to meet with me. That I see them all the time at Culver's, and it's like they're like hovering over me, and they want to meet with me. And they said, uh, I want to meet, we want to meet you at your office. They somehow knew I, my office was, was kind of creepy because they knew my office was here. And, uh, and I, I was not feeling real good about that, you know. My friend Greg Speck used to say, always be alone in a crowd. I thought that was pretty good advice. Always be alone in a crowd. Don't be alone and alone. Especially if you're obviously as a male and you're with a female, they can you know they could say anything and you could and you could be lose your ministry. So so God told me to tell this couple, no, we're not. My everyone knows for Jeff Hansen, his office is Culver's on State Street. I never I have never met with anybody in my office here. I really haven't. I've I've gone to the study. Things like that, but I, I've never met anybody here alone because this is a, there's nobody here. There's no secretary. And so God said, no, if you're going to meet with them, you're going to meet at Culver's. You're not going to meet here. So I'm going to tell them that, and they're not going to like it. I'm going to say, you know what? I, my office is at, at Culver's on State Street in Phelps, and this is where I meet with people, and I do. I met with probably hundreds of people there over the years, but I'm not meeting you in my office. The Lord told me, God told me to meet with you here. And if you don't want to meet with me here, then we're not going to meet. And that's it. This is not up for negotiation. And I feel real good about that. If they're going to meet with me, they'll meet me with the air culvers. They're not meeting with me here. Because somehow I just feel something not good about that. There's something about that situation that doesn't feel right to me. And if God put that on my heart that that's not right, then it's not right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, actually, I do meet with her here on Wednesday nights to pray for the church. Other than that, there's, that's the only one. That's the only one I meet with here. So anyway, my point is you got to listen to God. You've got to be in tune with God. And I'm not, hey, listen, I'm no super saint. If you knew that, guys know me well enough to know that. But, but you've got to meet, you got to listen to God. And if something doesn't seem right, say, God, please give me clarity. Please give me clarity of thought because I don't feel good about this. And he said, meet at Culver's, not in your office. So God told me, if they don't like what I say, say, you know what, take it up with God. Because God told me to tell you that. If you don't like that, then we're not going to meet. 
we're all done. No more time to talk. And that's just the way it is. Clyde. Um, when you were talking about taking off the, the, old, uh, the old self, we take our old self off and put it on the altar. Problem with us is we don't leave it on the altar. We pick it up and take it with us. That's true. We want to take it back, don't we? We want to take back the old life. We want to get back to the old life, you know. How, how many times do we have to learn that that's never going to work, Right. You know, you know, someone said, my friend Tom Anderson always says to me, you know, um, what, what does he say? Um, insanity is trying to do the same thing the same time and expect different results because you're never going to get different results. If you do the same thing, the same wrong thing all the time, and you want to expect different results, that's the, that's the definition of insanity because it's not going to change. If you keep doing the wrong thing, eventually it's going to get like, it's not going to help you anymore. You got to make a change. You need to make cut off something. Maybe start a whole new life. So anyway, that's just my thoughts on this about putting off. Is there? Ask yourself the question: Is there anything? By the way, you might. This is a good good season for this. Is there anything you need to throw in your closet? Literally, I mean, is there anything like you haven't? Wasn't there a rule if you haven't worn it in two years, you're probably never going to wear it because you probably don't like it. Maybe it doesn't fit right. Maybe it's not the right color. I mean, you know, if you might need to just get rid of it because it's not worth it. So it might be clean your closet out. And give you have good coats. Give it to us because we'll take it downstairs downtown to the bus stop for the people that uh, we help out once a month in the winter. So or or hats or uh, gloves or whatever. But it might be a good time to clean out your closet right now. I mean, literally. So do some fall cleaning. And believe me, I'm the I'm the chief sinner here too. All right. So does anybody have any prayer? Because I do have one. That Don gave me for uh, Angela Hendricks. I got, I got a comment about changing clothes. Sure. Clothes, yeah. Because if your wife burns your clothes, does that count? <laughs> if your wife burns your clothes, then you know it was the right decision. But no, I have a serious comment on it, though. When you look at um, clothing, there's a lot of ways you can look at what God has to say in, in scriptures about it. But I always thought it was interesting. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve did after they uh, had eaten the fruit and did what they shouldn't do? They put on clothes. They clothed themselves. Right. They tried to hide it. Right. And the clothing that we, a lot of us Christians wear, our clothing that we try to hide the sin that we're in, and that's in itself another problem. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You put on the new clothes. They put on the new clothes, right? Yeah. For the for very first time. Well, sometimes it's a lack. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Okay, so a lady that Don and Carol met, her name is Angela Hendrickson, just somehow they made contact, and she found, said, I have a torn cornea. And she was in the ER with that, um, was it last? Was it yesterday or something? Saturday, okay. So pray for Diane Hendrickson. She, has a, she asked for prayer for a torn cornea. Okay. Anybody else have a prayer request? Yeah, Mag, pray for Maggie, and, and that's Mike and Abby's daughter. She's at, been at Northwestern since Wednesday night. She's finally doing a little bit better. They, everything she gets is very serious. Uh, she has a, a disease, a, a genetic disease, and so if she if she gets a cold, it could be pneumonia. So they got to be very careful about any time she didn't feel good. And so it's been, they've been there for, it'll be five days as of tomorrow. So pray for Maggie. She's at Northwestern Hospital in Chicago right now. It's called Lurie's Children's Hospital. Okay, Joe, and then Matt. Young guy that I work with, he's been going through a rough time in, in, in life. 
Yeah. Okay. And he told me, I'm a failure. I can't even kill myself. I've tried, <laughs> I've tried committing suicide nine times. And I says, well, I don't consider you a failure at that. I says, 